Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their marketing and advertising spend. On today's episode, we have Nas Urbina, who is a globally recognized leader in the field of content strategy and customer experience. He literally wrote the book on content strategy for organizations. So Nas, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm great, Lucas. Thanks for having me. So right at the top, why don't you let us know about this uh, conference that's coming up, and I know you have a link for us. Let's get that link over to folks right away. It's a conference for teams and cross-functional groups. It's obviously very heavy with content marketers and uh, marketing professionals because we feel the omnichannel pain first. But we have got different you know, just content designers, content strategists, content marketers, governance people, systems people, everyone who's involved, like the whole village who's involved in actually delivering these experiences. Listeners to the podcast can win a ticket for themselves by going to bit.ly or bit.ly slash ox dash leads rx. That's uh, all in lowercase, bit.ly slash ox dash leads rx. And you can get a chance to win a couple of tickets, which we've got a raffle due to the generosity of Leeds RX. It's going to be a great event this year with Google, Cisco, IBM, Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals, the World Health Organization, Oracle, and on. So we hope to see you there. So anybody listening to this, please you know, check the episode description wherever you're listening, and you can follow that link uh, to go check out the conference and enter that raffle. What led you to this conference and the position you're in today? I went straight out of university and I kind of fell straight into what we call structured authoring, which was, it was a kind of a niche little company focusing on how do we treat our content as a business asset. And in the 20 years since, it, because I got straight in on this company that was actually saying, it's not about the site, it's about the content. And you have to have that ready to go for for your new website but you also got your existing print deliverables you've also got mailers you've also got other channels you haven't even thought of yet so we've got to get our content in order so it's ready for all of that right now what's great is we're seeing organizations get it we're seeing a sudden rush of interest in how do we develop relationships with all of our touch points as opposed to how do i run a website it's a big mental shift and it's seeing more and more traction. So that's really pleasing. How does the quality versus quantity strategy play into garnering some of that traffic from Google? They started being a page indexing service. So it was all about a text-based algorithm that would look at your content and would read it and find out what the keywords were, give all these weights as we know, and then give you pages. And what's happened in the background was not thinking about your content and pages, but thinking about it as what does it actually contain? Does it contain, does it contain steps to perform, a ta for, to perform a procedure? Are you trying to understand a how-to? Is this a tutorial? Is this uh, just a reference table? Is, this a spec is it a white paper? Like we would define those things according to their meaning within the content. And then that will be constant. And then you would publish that out to sometimes web pages, sometimes print, sometimes a data feed. And what's happened is Google has moved in that direction. So when you talk about, when you see what's happening now in a search result, if I look for uh, pizza or, or Da Vinci, 
I'm going to get locations like businesses. I'm going to get maps. I'm going to get, as you're saying, videos. I'm going to get some pages like ranked on pages, but it's defining things as what they are. So in the background, Google has created this thing called the knowledge graph. And so it is, it's indexing the world now, not based on just textual language, but on specific ideas and concepts. So it understands the idea of a business and, uh, and a business can be of a type, which is a restaurant and a restaurant can have a menu. A menu has items. Those individual items can have photos. So it's understanding the world the way that we do no longer as a text engine, but as a knowledge engine. And it's, it wants to be a question and answer system where people come, come to it with all sorts of queries in all sorts of ways spoken, written, and eventually with gestures as we move into more advanced internet of things, capabilities, geolocation, simply by walking into an environment, I'm essentially launching a query because I'm here now. Google will be able to surface up content based on the fact that I'm, I've crossed this physical barrier in, in space. So Google is getting ready for indexing the whole universe based on these ideas. And so when that changes the definition of quality, because before you could write whatever you wanted. And as long as you were gaming the system with the right frequency of keywords, that would be recognized as relevant. Now it's understanding of relevance has gone up like a whole to a whole new level where you're talking about whether it is relevant to these concepts and whether you have explicitly said this is a article or this is a how to or an FAQ. And it, it, there are tags for that now where you're no longer just writing out a page, but you're actually telling Google, I'm writing an FAQ about this topic. And by telling uh, Google specifically what you're talking about, it will say, okay, well, these people have got their stuff in order. They have got their, they've thought about what they're doing. They're producing well-structured content and they're focused on making sure that people and machines can understand it. People also use the term semantic because semantic is this is a study of meaning. So it understands what these things mean. So if you have your content properly tagged up as relevant to these different concepts, then Google will understand it in a different way and, and it'll be able to give you those structured snip, those rich snippets on the okay. front end. Thank you. That made more sense. Walk us through your approach <laughs> when you work with clients, when they're a big enterprise level client that says, we got a lot to talk about. We're doing all these things all around the globe. How do you wrangle mm -hmm. all that together into one unified strategy that's firing on all cylinders? Excellent. The I think it's useful that we did that little Google intro and I often use Look what's been happening on Google results pages as a way to get people into what I do, because it's, they've been watching that. What we're doing when we go into an organization is saying, okay, how do we do that within the business? We within our own business should have that level of understanding and that capability to manipulate, access, link our own content. So it's, when I first go in, I, the, the first thing we're trying to figure out is what are we trying to do and for who? It, we start with customer journey mapping to say, where, what is, who are we talking about? What kind of situations that we, are we relevant to? And let's walk through the process and find out what the pain points are. So it's, I'm, the, what Urbina Consulting is all about is like our mission statement is helping brands have the kind of relationship with people like people have with each other. You used to be able to walk into a shop 
and you have a relationship with a shopkeeper and they would be able to see how you were dressed and what how you spoke to them and they would get all these cues from you of how you wanted to be treated and what kind of products you might like and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as you came back into that shop, that relationship would develop over time and they would learn about you and you would learn about them and their, the value flow back and forth would continue to grow in that relationship. Once we got online and we, everyone started thinking that they were publishers, then that relationship broke down. We have all these different departments who are publishing stuff, but there isn't a cohesive backend strategy of how do we use all this to build that relationship. So that's what we're trying to get down to. Who are the people? When are we relevant to them? And how or are we not today using all of our touch points and assets to, to best uh, facilitate them on their journeys so that they have a good relationship with our brand and give us money? And so that, that's how I get started is let's get, get down to the basics. Who, what, when, where, why? and what's broken. Does that make sense? It does. You're, instead of tagging up your content for Google, you're tagging up your content for yourself, so to speak, and thinking through what that distribution strategy might be, maybe what the intent of each content piece is, where it lands in that journey, and then just setting the table out there with all those content pieces and assets to make sure that the customer is getting almost the right content at the right time. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And you're even using some words that are in fact behind the scenes Google jargon these days. And which is why I, I often bounce back and forth between Google because they are leading in terms of many areas of, of getting your content properly sorted out. And the word that you use when you're building, for example, a chat bot is intent. What is the user trying to do? And that's what we're trying to do when we go in there and said, it's not just for chatbots, it's for any targeted smart content campaign or content-based business, we have to say, okay, what, what are these people trying to accomplish? Not what are our messages that we're trying to push this quarter, but what are they trying to do and how can our content make itself relevant to that? I'm always reminding clients that you probably have more than one thing to sell. And if you're in any kind of business as we are today, where renewals are a major aspect, you want to be careful into with the old funnel thinking because it's all, it's all about the get them in, get them up to the purchase thing, and then it's not marketing's problem anymore. And that's very dangerous for content because it, it, what I've seen in practice, and nobody wants to say I'm doing that, but what I'm seeing in practice when I go in an enterprise is that it's all very bright and shiny up actually until the point I become a customer. And then it drops off. There's, let's say, this content management system data. Then there's like this, this content relationship management data where I've got the actual sales stuff. And then there's often post-sales information. And these, can, these are often badly split across business silos. And we've got content marketers and, and, and uh, marketers who are trying to create relevant, useful content that will get likes and shares and clicks but they're completely disconnected from the rest of the business who actually understands what the user's intentions are, what their tasks are, how they can be relevant. So here's the curveball. That is all based on cookies. And as we know, and I'm sure you're aware, Apple, Google, Safari, these guys are you know, depreciating third-party cookie tracking. So if you are not Facebook, who has their own first-party data, or Google, which has their own first-party data, 
or Amazon that has their own first party data, you are relying on a third party tracking mechanism, third party cookies, so that you can track Nas everywhere he goes around the internet and give him that experience. I always see it as a positive thing because what I've seen in the past 20 years is this in marketing, there's a lot of bad behavior until someone slaps us in the hand. This, what, what we had is a, we had 20 years of a free for all wild west, data stealing, data selling, list acquiring, cookie inserting kind of orgy of whatever we wanted. And so, and it's an arms race. No one is going to be altruistic and say, Hey, I'm going to watch my competitor do this perfectly legal thing. And I'm not going to do it because I'm looking 20 years down the pipe and thinking that's going to might piss off my customers in two decades. And so I'm going to be the ethical leader. No one's going to do that. So of course, until there's regulation and, or either there's regulation or some, as you're just saying, industry titans decide that's the way it is your googles and your apples of the world we just do whatever's with whatever's available and i i see this as yeah lots of companies won't adapt but what do you do to adapt and what you do to adapt is you learn how to be relevant you learn how to provide enough actual value in your marketing that people go, hey, these guys have useful things to say. They, they make me laugh. They help me with maintain my car. They help me feel safe that I know that I'm buying the right prescription drugs. Whatever it is you do, you have to be adding enough value to that, that person's life where they continue to click on your stuff when it comes up in their feeds. They continue to actually log into your site so that you can develop that first party relationship with them. We're going to see brands going direct to consumer more and more because the, that's the writing on the wall is that if you are not owning the relationship and if you're not uh, gaining that first party data, your island is sinking. It might be really slow. You might have years left, but that's where we're going is that the organization that has the data will be able to do the most with it. And we've seen that snowball effect that the organization that has the most data is able to do the best things, is able to get bigger, is able to get more data. That's what we've seen with all of the tech companies since the dot-com collapse. We've seen the ones who got on top of the data and on top of the data strategy, those have become the super titans of today. So you're going to have to figure out, coming back to the basics, how do I understand these people better? Who am I targeting specifically? And how do I build a direct relationship where they know my brand and they understand the relevance of my brand? Very well said. And I think the challenge that folks are going to face is that they're addicted to the remarketing lists and the shopping feeds. We would agree with what you're laying out here, which is everybody else needs to make their own first party data ecosystem in order to compete and give your own customers in your own localized digital shop, let's say, the experience that they're after. Is that accurate? Is that what you're saying as well? So if I am, if I'm Nike, and this is a case study, which I was looking at recently, if I'm Nike, I am going to produce a Nike.com experience, which is unique to Nike. So you can do things and you can make choices on, on Nike.com and then they're carrying that through to any physical stores that they have. So you walk into the Nike physical space 
and you can self-identify as, as a digital citizen, and then everybody in that store has access to everything that you've given Nike, and you have voluntarily given that information over at every point. So you're totally GDPR compliant. And I, as a Nike customer, I'm like, these shoes are, my, are mine. I configured them. And then I go to the store and I'm like, I want to get this matching thing. And then everybody at the store knows that they can point me to exactly what I want and take me into these environments where there's digital physical crossover experiences and there's touch screens. And all of that will be driven by my first party data, which I've generated as Nike. So that's, that's, if you have that kind of scale, then you, you can fight back against this, this situation. Let's take it all the way to the other end to my diving instructor when I learned how to scuba dive. He has, he has got the same omni-channel problems that Nike does. He's got in-store brochures. He's got signage. He's got his website. He's got his WhatsApp group. He's got his Facebook group. He's got mailers and so on and so on. What does he have to do? He creates community. He's got a WhatsApp group. His pupils join the WhatsApp group. They show each other their photos about dives they've gone on. They ask each other questions about where's a good great place to go diving. And he is the facilitator of that. So he's got everybody's contact details. He can push a message whenever he wants. He can rip, replicate the same thing on other social channels. And he can start doing on-demand printing and creating more custom newsletters by observing the trends in the discussion in his WhatsApp groups. So you can do this as an individual proprietor if you're thoughtful and organized. And all the way to the end of the spectrum, you can have these multinational organizations who have a better relationship strategy. But it all has to do with getting back to the fundamentals of personal relationships and then using the modern technologies and the data to make that relevant and, and act on it across all of your touch points. What is your current recommendation for measuring content's performance in the path to conversion? So how do you measure that in the current environment? And then part two is once all these cookies go away, how will you measure that in the future? So uh, the part which I think you might hate is uh, I want to say clearly that you know, I'm an omnichannel guy and I've been doing this for a long time. And at the moment, and then even more so into the future, that 100% attribution is impossible because if you're truly speaking on the channel, you're talking about you're talking about salespeople, you're talking about events, you're talking about print brochures, you're talking about packaging. There's so many things which contribute to, as we say, a conversion. That 100% attribution is a pipe dream. I think the part that you're going to like is what we do need is we need to get as much information as we can. So everything that we can track, we do need to track. We need to track it ourselves. And we need to be able to understand the behaviors of different audience groups. Implied in my, in the, for example, a Nike case study, is that you're giving your customers something useful enough that they are gonna volunteer to identify themselves. Why should I go, if I'm on the blog, why should I log in? What are you giving me when I consume a piece of content or when I, when I you know, approach any of your properties, physical or digital, what value add have you created for my experience that is gonna, let, which will motivate me to click a button to say, yes, I'm, I'm Sally. I was here last month. Like well, obviously the last month is uh, something you can figure out, but each time they touch, how do you get them to volunteer, volunteer that extra bit of data? 
So if you're doing anonymous tracking, you're, you can personalize based on lots of different things. You can personalize on location. You can personalize on time of day. You can personalize on season. There's all sorts of things you can personalize on. And you can often, and you can even give them filters and ways to slice and dice your content. And based on what they do with those filters and abilities, you can start to identify trends. So there's lots you can do without actually being able to see that Sally. But the, the goal when we're talking about building relationships is you've got to give enough to Sally that she goes, oh, I love brand X. Why their stuff is so useful. And I, when I log in, I get these great recommendations, not necessarily offers. It's not always about sales and discounts. That stuff is boring because I get offered how many, like 150 discounts a day. That's not, doesn't, but, but if you give me good recommendations and you learn me enough of go back to our shopkeeper example, I will click the thing saying, yeah, I do want to log in because I want to see what cool things going to pop up this time I log in in, in a not too intrusive way because we've seen pop-up abuse and banner abuse, but the, what is going to happen? I want to be excited when I see something from that brand. I want to be inspired to take action to actually say, hey, what has Nike or Philips or my drug company or whatever, what have they got to say to me today? Because last time I was here, they said something that I cared about. They gave me useful information. The Mites definition of content marketing is marketing that has its own value proposition. Marketing that is valuable in its own right. That's how you generate audience. That's how you generate relationships by marketing to people in a way where they go, Hey, I want to read this. I want to see that. And if you can't do, that's going to be what's hard. That's going to, that's going to be make or break in the future. Not how well can you game an algorithm, but can you actually think of a way to be useful and relevant and interesting? Otherwise people are not going to, not going to bother. Do you support those methodologies of using ID graphs or data enrichment where you're basically like, if I don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, can I pay Amazon and Alexa to fill in the details or Comcast and Verizon to tell me more about this household IP so that I can serve them up even more relevance, even if they never self-identified? How do you feel about that? And how do you think that's going to play out over the next few years? The data holders, they are going to be wanting to monetize that data. In my personal opinion, first of all, does it comply with the regulations? No. I think that's exactly what the regulations are designed to, to prevent, which is anybody hoarding my data and reselling it. What you cannot avoid is people using data analytics to understand data and provide high probability successful tactics. So here's this phone number. You, they have to take some action. We have to come back to the customer journey. Until I make a move, I'm nobody. When a, when a relationship is in motion, it generates data immediately. The first thing I interact with, the first choices I make, the first words I use, I'm generating data. And if someone has got enough data, they're able to come back and go, okay, this is the kind of grammar they used. This is the kind of keywords they used. And this is the geography. And this is the time of day that they chose to send this single SMS or, or single text. Here is, I've got an 80% chance that they'll probably be into this, 75% chance they'll be into that, et cetera, et cetera. That is unavoidable. And so that market 
we're going to see grow of you don't have the data and you don't and you don't know how to analyze data so i will sell you a service that says give me the little bit and i will fill in the rest of the picture for you it's all anonymous so it's unavoidable and the, the regulations don't solve for that at all i don't know if you how from a leads rx perspective whether you like this i see that as an acceptable middle ground whereas i as a consumer can't be followed around i can't be individually targeted but brands can do their best to try to provide me what they think is relevant without having the right to follow me around phone me at my house etc cetera, etc cetera. that as a consumer is what i'm trying to stop is i don't want to be i don't want to have the the online equivalent of a thousand door-to-door salesmen knocking nonstop on my door and ringing my phone. That's what I'm trying to get my life back. But when I do interact with a brand, relevance is a good thing for me. So I, if they're using a third party to try to take a, an educated guess at what I want, that's actually in my interests. So I think that is what we are going to see a lot of growth. If it's they are somehow using somebody else's consent to get in a back door to say, no, that's Sally's phone number. Here's stuff about Sally. That's, I don't see that as ethical or compliant. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you so much to Nas for breaking down the enterprise level content marketing universe. We are all facing these problems. We all deploy content in our marketing and it's going to be even more critical going into the future as cookies and technology continue to change. Thank you again to Nas for your time on the show today. For everybody listening, go check out the Omni Channel X conference. Click the link in the description, and we hope to see you there. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off. <music>